Thanks for listening to our Faith Church podcast. Let's listen to today's message. Father, we thank you today for your goodness and greatness in our lives. We thank you, Lord, for your word as it's planted in our spirit, that it would spring forth and bring life to each one of us, that we would hear what your spirit is saying to us and see what you want to show us. We love you and we honor you today, and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Turn, if you would, into the book of Luke, chapter 11. I want to talk about being desperate for God to act. And I know that we are in very uh, difficult times right now. And as I look around, uh, there's a lot of anxiety, a lot of fear, a lot of frustration, People are dealing with a lot of challenges in their mind, mental health issues, as well as dealing with um, what's going on in our nation, what's going on in our state and our city and, and all these things. And I really feel like God wants the body of Christ to pray and to amp up prayer through the month of August, through the month of August. I really want to encourage you to pray with us through this month. Um, I, I know a year and a half ago, we put together a prayer in March of 2020, and we put it on the app, on the Faith Church Rock app. If you go to that, you can see under prayer, uh, you can see a, a write-up that we did praying over our city, praying over our church, praying over our families, our homes. Um, when we knew that COVID was on the increase back a year and a half ago, we prayed and I really believe it made a difference then. We may have lost a little sight of it last November, and uh, we got hit hard, but I really do believe in the power of prayer. And I want to ask you to consider pulling that out again, praying over our city, praying over our community, praying over families, praying over the church. Our kids are going back to school in September, a month away, and I'm believing that in the month of August some things are going to break. And some things are going to change in the month of August. We need God to act. We need God to move. And we need God to show up in our city. And if you'll consider praying every day, and maybe fasting one day a week, consider fasting. Take a day to fast, to really get a hold of God, and uh, let him speak to you in the month of August. And if you'll fast, I really believe God will do something in our community Prayer is a key, and as you open your Bible to the book of Luke chapter 11, it starts in verse 1 through 4, and it starts with a very common theme that many of us have prayed this prayer. We may have even been taught this prayer growing up. It's called the Lord's Prayer, starting at verse 1. It says, Now it came to pass as Jesus was praying in a certain place when he ceased that one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John taught his disciples. So Jesus said to them, when you pray, say, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day by day our daily bread. And forgive us our sins as we forgive everyone who is indebted to us. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And as you read that, many of us have prayed this prayer. Many of us have said these words. You may have even heard them said hundreds, if not thousands of times, and which commonly referred to as the Lord's Prayer. And God, is, he, Jesus gives us a form. He gives us elements that should be in our prayer. There's elements in there of reverencing the Father, and there's elements of forgiving and asking for forgiveness. There's elements of the kingdom of God coming, his will being done. And those are good elements. But going on to verse 5, it shifts, and Jesus says these words, if you look in the New Living Translation. He says, then teaching them more about prayer. So we're still on the topic of prayer. We're still talking about how to pray. He used this story. Jesus said, suppose you went to a friend's house at midnight, wanting to borrow three loaves of bread. You say to him, a friend of mine has just arrived for a visit. I have nothing for him to eat. And suppose he calls out from his bedroom, don't bother me. The door is locked for the night. And my family and I are all in bed. 
I can't help you. But I tell you this, though he won't do it for friendship's sake, if you keep knocking long enough, he will get up and give you whatever you need because of your shameless persistence. Let's stop there for a minute. So Jesus is teaching on prayer. We're talking about prayer. For some people, prayer is saying words. They just want to say the right words. And what are the words that I need to say? And they want to get the right words in. But it's more than words. It's more than just a form of words. Prayer has a whole attitude to it. There's a whole spirit behind it. There's a whole mood that Jesus now is explaining. He said, I want to explain to you what prayer should feel like. I want to explain to you what prayer, the intensity that prayer should take on. And he gives this story of someone going to somebody else's house at midnight, and he said there's got to be a desperation. And that's what he's trying to put within us. There's got to be a desperation, a desperate attitude towards God. When you pray, there should be something that is full of desperation, something that is full of hunger, full of, I've got to get to God, I've got to talk to God, I have to have a conversation with God. It's not a matter of me just saying the right words, but I've got to have the right attitude, I've got to have the right passion, I have to have the right intensity, I've got to go after God the right way. And when we think about prayer, one of the challenges we have with this passage is Jesus is talking about approaching a friend at midnight. Now, when we think of prayer, the last thing most of us think about, uh, or we think about relationships, or we think about friendships, last thing we think about is, I'm going to go bug my friend at midnight. In fact, most of us would never do that. We say, you know, I'll bug my friend during the day, or I'll knock on my neighbor's door at time when it's convenient. You're not thinking midnight. Most people aren't thinking midnight. In fact, you go some places, and some places where you go, those places can be very uh, closed up. I, I remember when I first went to Bible school in Rhode Island, um, I was so shocked because literally the entire town closed down at 8 p.m. And so when I got there, I'm like, why is every light out at nine, by 9 o'clock? And why is the, where is the 7-Eleven? Where is the mobile gas station? And how come there's no ice cream to buy uh, somewhere before midnight? And so it was, it was kind of a culture shock to me when I went there. We, where we were last week, Pastor Darrell and myself, it was pitch black at midnight. There's nothing on. There's nothing going on. There's nothing happening. It's the least likely time you're going to bother somebody. It's the least likely time you're going to approach and say, you know what? It's midnight. I think I'll go next door and ask if I can borrow a loaf of bread. I don't think most of us would normally think this way, but Jesus is trying to make a point, and he's trying to show that it's, it's, there's a desperation that he wants us to grab. There's a desperation that he's, what, what will it take for you to knock at midnight? What will it take for you to go next door and to say, you know, I'm going to go bug my neighbor. I'm going to go bother him and ask him for something that I need. But this is the way we're supposed to approach the Father. In verse 9, he, he says, And I tell you, keep on asking, and you'll receive whatever you ask for. Keep on seeking, and you will find. Keep on knocking, and the door will be open. So he says, ask, seek, knock. If you keep on asking, you keep on seeking, you keep on knocking. That's what he's talking about. There's got to be a persistence. There's got to be an intensity. There's got to be a passion to go after God and to reach God and to have God answer our prayers. Not that God doesn't want to answer our prayer, but I think sometimes what happens with believers is instead of going to God to get closer to God, we just want to go to God to get the stuff we want. And God can tell the difference. Because sometimes, you know, if you walk up to somebody's house and you knock, they're like, well, they didn't answer, I think I'm going to go away. And you quit. But he says, I want you to keep knocking. I want you to keep knocking. Keep knocking. Keep knocking. Keep pounding. 10 minutes, 15 minutes, 20 minutes. If you do that at my house, I'm getting up. Now, if you knock once or twice, if I hear, I'd be like, was that a squirrel? 
you know, I'm not getting up if somebody goes like this. If I'm in bed, I'm not getting up for anybody who goes like this. Even if they do it twice, I'm like, I don't know how desperate they are. I, they, they need to be a little more desperate than that. But if I'm here pounding, pounding, and it's not stopping, I'm getting up. And he's saying, this is the way that you need to approach prayer. This is the way you need to approach God. And it's kind of counter to our own mind, because we're like, you know, I want to be proper. I, wanna, I don't want to bother God. But God wants to know you're serious. God wants to know you have passion. God wants to know he created you with all these emotions. He created you with all this passion. He created, he knows whether you have passion or not. It's amazing what we're willing to do when we want to do something, what we're willing to put ourselves out there, what we're willing to be embarrassed about when we want to do something. And he's saying there's a price to pay to get what you need, and that price is desperation. That price is passion. That price is pursuing. There's got to be a pursuing in you. You're going through something. You're dealing with something in your home. You're dealing with something in your family. And he says, I want you to keep knocking. I want you to knock like I'm the only answer to you. I want you to knock like you can't Google your answer. I want you to knock like you can't go on YouTube and figure out how to do it. I want you to knock as though the government isn't going to provide it for you. I want you to knock with some intensity that I am your answer, that I am your only source. And it's not that you don't receive from other places. Many times God provides different ways, but understand, he wants to be first. He wants to be the center of your life. He wants to be, he's a jealous God, he loves you, and he wants to know that he's first in your life. And how many times do we reach for Google, do we reach for YouTube, do we reach for somebody else, another person, we reach for the phone, we reach for social media, we reach for anything else but God. And then when we run all of our roads and they all end up fruitless, then we say, well, maybe I'll spend some time in prayer. Maybe I'll really talk to God. Yeah, maybe you spent a little time. Maybe you did spend a few minutes and you said, God, please help me. Please help my children. Please help my, my job. Please help my finances. Please help my health. Please help my marriage. Whatever it is you prayed about. But did you go after it? Was there a passion in you where you keep knocking? You say, God, I need an answer. I need you to do something. God, I need you to change this situation. You need to change me. You need to change my spouse. You need to change my child. You need to change what's going on in my job. You need to change what's going on in our city. What happens sometimes is we knock and we pray, but if we don't get the answer right away or we don't get the answer we want, what I've seen many of us do is we get offended. We get upset. Like, well, God didn't answer my prayer, and so if he's not going to answer my prayer, I guess I'll get my answer from somewhere else. And we get upset at God, we get mad at God. Like, well, I don't think God's going to answer my prayer, so I'll just do what I'm going to do then. I'm just going to get my answer another way. And we quit before we even really began. Because many times we haven't even begun to knock hard enough. We haven't even begun to knock long enough. We've said a couple of prayers. We've said a couple of things. God, you know, can you turn this around? But we, there's a persistence. When was the last time you fasted over that situation? When was the last time you persisted so hard that God had to break through, where you are knocking day and night, where you are persistent so hard that God had to answer? Or is it just kind of blend in to your other prayers, like God bless me today, God bless my food, God bless my job, God bless my family. Is it kind of blending in, or is it something where you're gonna keep knocking, you're gonna keep asking? I don't care if you have to ask 10, 20, 50, 100, 200, 300 times, 500 times, 1,000 times. There's no limit. At what point is the enemy gonna convince you to quit? At what point are you gonna go up and say, well, I guess God is not going to answer. You know, I love the story in Genesis 32 that talks, and I'm, you don't have to turn there, but it's the story about Jacob wrestling with, with the Lord and the angel of the Lord. And Jacob's wrestling, and the angel of the Lord said, let go of me. And Jacob says, I'm not letting go until you bless me. 
I'm not letting go until you change me. I'm not letting go until you change my situation. I'm not letting go of you until you turn this around. And there's got to be some sort of passion within our hearts that keeps asking, that keeps knocking. I understand, you know, we, we live in a nation where if we don't get an answer from one door, we'll go to the next one. If we don't like this store, we'll go to the next door. If we're like, well, I didn't like what Target said, I'll go to Walmart. I don't like what Walmart, I'll go to Wegmans. I don't like Wegmans, I'll go to Tops. I don't like, I'll go to Walgreens. I'll go to, and you just, you just keep going till you get the answer you want. So you don't like it. You're like, well, I didn't like that restaurant. I'll go to another restaurant. I'll go to another. And we live in a nation where we can pick and choose. We didn't like their answer. We didn't like the way they treated us. We didn't like the way they responded. I don't like this job. I'll get another job. And we pick and choose. And sometimes we treat God like that. Like, well, I gave God 10 minutes to answer. He didn't answer, so I'm going to do it myself. And see, pursuing God, being persistent, has a little bit of recklessness to it. Being persistent has different rules. If I'm persistent with something, it's different than my normal rules. I understand in normal relationships, I'm not knocking on your door at 3 a.m. I'm not going to just walk up and say, hey, I wonder what Pastor Eric's doing. Let me drive over to his house. It's 1 in the morning. I don't, I don't think he'll mind if I knock on the door and just say, hey, what's going on? And so maybe he's got some of those wings he's cooking up or some of those ribs he's got going that he keeps telling us all about. And so uh, maybe I'll go knock on Pastor Eric's door at 1 a.m. Now... I know Pastor Eric loves me, but I'm not so sure 1 a.m. is going to be the time he expresses his love at at, at that moment. And we think that way. We think of the other person. But God is saying, I want you to think different. These are different rules. I want you to, to come to me at all times of the hour. See, because many times when God wants to speak to us, it is going to be a time that's different. God is not a nine-to-five God. God doesn't open his doors at nine and close his doors at five. Thank God he doesn't. He's open all the time. But many times, the issue isn't God at midnight. The issue is us at midnight. Sometimes God will try to wake us up at midnight or us at 3 a.m. and say, hey, Steve, I want to talk to you. And you're like, uh, God, can this wait until morning? And we, we want, we, we, I've done that. I've, I've done that where I've, got, I've woken up and, the Lord says, you know, we should talk. And I'm like, oh, God, you know, it's 3 a.m. And I'm sure you'll still have it at 6 if I get up at 6. And then I've gotten up at 6, and he doesn't talk to me. I should have got up at 3. But see, a lot of the test is me. Am I hungry enough? Am I willing enough? Am I willing to pay the price? Am I desperate enough to run to him when he wants to talk? He likes to talk at midnight. He likes to talk at 2 a.m. He likes to talk at 4 a.m. You know, I've, I don't know if I've completely figured out why he likes to talk at 4 a.m., but I think one of the reasons why he likes to talk at 4 a.m. is because there's no one else awake. It's not like you're going to say, hey, i got to go over to my job. There's no, there's no place to go at 4 a.m. And so he's got your undivided attention, of course, except for social media, uh, but he's got your undivided attention. And it's one of the best times he can talk to you. But think about this for a second. Jesus is explaining this story. And Jesus says, if you really want to learn to pray, you need to learn the elements, which he talks about in verses 1 through 4. And then 5 through 8, he says, let me explain to you what it feels like. Let me explain to you the passion behind praying. Let me explain to you the emotion behind praying. And you've got to have some persistence. And I thought about it, and I said, what would make me get up and knock on somebody's door at midnight? I have neighbors in my, in my neighborhood, and they're nice people. I'm sure they wouldn't want me to knock on their door at midnight. However, what if my neighbor was a medical doctor, and, he, and uh, I had a child who all of a sudden stopped breathing? And I don't have time to call the ambulance. I don't have time to put him or her in my car, get them to a hospital. I don't have time. Would I be willing to go knock on my doctor's neighbor door and wake him up 
and get him out of bed so that he can help save my child? You bet I would. You bet I'd not, almost any parent in this room would be willing to knock on their neighbor's door, wake them up and say, my child is dying. Will you please come help my child? You wouldn't care who saw you. You wouldn't care what anybody thought about you. You wouldn't care if anybody was talking about you, if anybody was saying negative stuff about you. You would not care because your goal is to get your child some help at that moment. Almost every parent I know would absolutely, without hesitation, run to their next-door neighbor's door and say, I need help. 2 a.m., 3 a.m., you don't care because you need it then. And Jesus is trying to explain there's got to be within us a passion and a drive. Sometimes we are so casual with stuff, and we just say, well, you know, it'll work out, and things don't just work out. That's not the way it happens. Stuff just doesn't work out. That's why he gave us prayer. Why pray if nothing's going to change? Why pray if nothing's going to turn around? Because he says, if I keep reading in this passage, he says, if you keep on knocking, if you keep on asking, if you keep on seeking, he's going to answer you. That is the goal. That is part of the goal with prayer. Part of it is I've got to have a relationship with God, but the other part is I'm going to believe. And so as I look at 9, I look at verse 9, he says, So I tell you, keep on asking, and you'll receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking, and you'll find. Keep on knocking, and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks, receive. Everyone who seeks, finds. Everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. You fathers, verse 11, if you ask your children for a fish, do you give them a snake instead? Or if they ask for an egg, do you give them a scorpion? Of course not. So if you're sinful Fathers, people, know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? So it's not, we like to push it all on God and Jesus pushed it all back on us. Say so God's willing to answer. God's willing to move. God's willing to, but are you willing to be desperate? Are you willing to get up at 2 a, 3 a.m.? Are you willing to pay the price for this breakthrough? Are you willing or are you going to just lay there and say, you know, I, you know however it works out, you know, I'll just kind of tough it out and we'll, it'll just kind of be what it is? Or What kind of desperation do you have for God to move? Or are you just going to let it just kind of go whatever way it goes? Well, you know, the Lord knows. I guess the Lord will do what he wants to do. Because that's a lot of believers. And we have a lot of believers who then get in a place like we are now, and they don't know what to do. They're in a place of confusion. They're in a place of frustration. They're in a place of feeling as though God's not doing anything. But God is not sitting there waiting for himself to do something. He's waiting for us to do something. And as I look at this passage... There's something God says, Jesus says, that's so interesting to me. The man comes and knocks on the door for one thing. He says, he uses the loaf of bread there. But then he uses other examples, a fish or an egg or whatever. He uses examples. But notice what he says. The end of verse 13. How much more will your father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Everything you and I need is in the Holy Spirit. Everything we need is in the Holy Spirit. God's answers are in the Holy Spirit. When you look at this passage, the last thing you would have thought he would have said is, when he gets up, he will give you a loaf of bread. He will give you that. You would never have thought he'll give you the Holy Spirit. But the reason Jesus says the Holy Spirit here is because the Holy Spirit is the one who will give you everything you need. 
The Holy Spirit is your healer. The Holy Spirit is your restorer. Your Holy Spirit is your comforter. Your Holy Spirit is your joy. The Holy Spirit is your peace. The Holy Spirit is God on earth. Jesus isn't on earth. The Father's not on earth. The Holy Spirit's on earth. And if you come to God and desperate for God, he's going to give you more of his Holy Spirit. And the thing that we all need is more of his Holy Spirit. We need more of his presence, more of his power, more of his anointing. I need more of the Holy Spirit now than I've ever needed before. And though we sometimes get confused, we don't understand the role of the Holy Spirit in our lives, we think, well, when I got saved, I got uh, the Holy Spirit. You did, but you only got a measure of the Holy Spirit. He wants to give you an infilling of his Spirit every single day. Whatever you had yesterday is not enough for today. You need the Holy Spirit for today. You need his manifest presence that comes in your room, comes in your home, comes in your situation, and turns it around. It's the Holy Spirit that what is what you're really asking for. Yes, you're knocking and saying, Father, I need this answered. And he says, well, here's your answer. I'm going to give you more of the Holy Spirit. And as I give you more of the Holy Spirit, you're going to see healing. You're going to see miracles. You're going to see signs. You're going to see wonders. Why? Because it goes right back to Acts 1, the last words of Jesus. And Jesus says, I want you to go wait in Jerusalem, and I want you to wait for the Holy Spirit. And when you receive the Holy Spirit, he says, you'll receive power from on high when you receive the Holy Spirit. What are you asking for? Power. You're asking for God to move. You're asking for things to turn around. You need the power of the Holy Ghost in your situation. You need the power of God. That's the Holy Spirit. And he says, I will give you power as you ask for me, as you come into relationship with me. And he's saying, I want to take you to a new desperation. I want to take you to a new persistence. And as you persist for more of me, for more answers of me, I'm going to give you more of my spirit, which will then give you the answers you're looking for. And many times the answers we need is much more than we thought. When the Holy Spirit filled me, when the Holy Spirit fills you, he gives you much more, much more than you ever would have thought. When God's glorious presence comes upon us, when, when God's presence truly comes into my life and comes into my daily life, there's so much of God, I feel like I could run through a wall. There's so much of God's spirit. And if, and if you don't feel that way, see, because the more of the Holy Spirit you've got, the less of you you're going to have. The less of your negative attitude, the less of your whining and complaining, the less of your anger and frustration, the less of your bitterness, the less of your anxiety and stress, the less of your complacency and the less of your apathy. You're going to have less of you. You're going to have more of him. And the more that you have of him, the more faith you will have to believe him for miracles. We talk to people all the time. And how many people that you talk to are anxious about everything that's going on in this world? And if you're anxious about what's going on in this world right now, you need more of the Holy Spirit. Well, Pastor, aren't you worried? No. Do you think stuff could happen? Absolutely. I think stuff could happen for the rest of our lives if Christians don't get serious. If we say, well, I guess it's going to be here for the rest of our lives. I guess we'll just have to do this for the rest of life. Absolutely not. But we, we start to believe stuff. We start to take in stuff. Well, you know... You know, my mom had this pain. You know, my brother had this pain. You know, my sister had this pain. You know, I guess I'm just going to have to live with this pain. You know, my mom had this anxiety, and my, my sister has this anxiety. I guess I'm just going to have this anxiety. And, you know, hopefully I'll pass it on to my kids, and they'll have anxiety too. And we'll just keep passing it down because, you know, I guess it's just a part of my lot in life. I guess it's just supposed to be what I'm supposed to have. And what you're confessing is you need more of God, but you don't have it. Whenever you accept something as, I'm okay with that, and it's not something God gave you, then you need to ask the Lord to take away from you. God's arm is not too short that he can't touch your situation. There's no situation outside of the arm of God. What happens is we lose our desperation. Well, Pastor, I prayed about this for five years. I prayed about this for 10 years. Well, maybe it'll take 15. 
Maybe it'll take 20. But that child's salvation is worth it. I don't know what it's going to take, but the, you, we can't quit. We can't give up. There, and there's so many people giving up, or there's so many people looking all the other places for their answers and saying, well, I can't get it from God. I guess I'll see what Google says. Maybe Google will know what to do because I don't know what to do. Jesus tells another story in Matthew 7. I'm not going to go into it. I'm just going to refer to it. And the story simply says that there's going to be people in the end times who go to church, who pray, who preach, who do all these things, and at the end of time, God's going to say, I never knew you. And to me, those are the scariest words ever. Of all the words I never want to hear in my lifetime, especially in eternity, eternity, I never want to hear, depart from me, I don't know you. And this persistence goes to the knowing God issue. Because we know how to ask for something. God wants us to ask for him. See, because ultimately, the more we have of him, every other need will be met. I don't have to worry about other stuff if I have God. But if I don't have God, I have to worry about other stuff. I have to shift my thinking and realize that God wants to be wanted. God wants to be needed. God wants to be desired. And how we approach God is not our normal way of approaching a father. If, if I was coaching you and you said, Pastor, you know, I'm 15 years old and I really have been having a hard time talking to my father and my mother and can you kind of coach me? I need to really tell them something serious and I really need to talk and ask them for something big. And, and if I was coaching you, I would probably say, okay, well, number one, do not wake them up in the middle of the night. <laughs> that probably won't work. So, number one, wait until daytime, until it's nice. Wait till they're kind of in a happy mood. Wait until they kind of look like they're ready to listen to something that you have to say. And just kind of approach them nicely and say, hey, Dad, hey, Mom, can I just talk to you about something? And that's our normal way. That would be a way I would coach a child to approach their parent. But Jesus says the complete opposite. He says, start pounding on the door. Start pounding on the door at midnight. Now, I thought about this as a father, and I thought, how would I react if one of my children, my well-abled bodied children, decided to knock on my door at midnight, assuming I'm asleep, number one, at midnight for a loaf of bread? I'd probably yell at them, and I'd probably say, go down to the fridge. There's bread in the fridge on the top shelf. Do not wake me up for a loaf of bread. You know, as a father, you know, I don't want my kids to bother me at mid while I'm sleeping with stuff that doesn't matter. I don't want them to bother me. Say, Dad, uh, what do you think I should wear for work tomorrow? <laughs> Clothes? I don't care. It's midnight. I do not care what you wear, wear for work. And so I don't want my kids, and they know that that would not go well. I'd be like, what do you want at midnight? However, if any of my kids came in at midnight, and they came in with a desperation, and they came in with a hunger, dad, 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 I, I just have to see you. I just have to talk to you. I just have to tell you how much I love you. I just have to tell you how wonderful you are. I just have to be with you. I just need your presence. I just need you to hold me. I just need to tell me I'm okay. I just need to be around you. I need you in my life. I just, and they begin to come in with passion and persistence and just need me. I'm getting right up out of bed. I would not stay in bed another second. 
because they need me. And God is saying, Jesus is saying, when we come to the Father, we come saying, God, I need you. I want you. I'm desperate for you. I'm desperate for your presence. I don't walk in with some sort of um, silly way of saying prayer. You know, we've gotten so silly in the way that people say their prayer, our Father who art in heaven. My kids walk in my room and say, Father who art in his bedroom, how wonderful is your name. I'd be like, get out. Get out. It's not happening. <laughs> so when we approach God and we say these things religiously and then we get frustrated and say, why didn't God answer my prayer? What was that? What are you talking about? Prayer is supposed to be communication. Prayer is supposed to be feelings and expressions. Prayer is supposed to be relational, highly relational. Prayer is not supposed to be a bunch of words. Well, you know, Pastor, I get up in the morning and I sit and I think and I think. That's not prayer. Thinking is not prayer. Well, how long did you pray this morning? Well, I prayed for about an hour. Well, how long did you actually speak words? Well, about five minutes. What did you do the other 45, 55 minutes? Well, I sat and thought. That's not prayer. Thinking is not prayer. He tells us we can meditate, but he tells us even what to meditate on in Philippians 4. Think on these things, whatsoever things are good, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are a good report, whatsoever things are wonderful. He tells you what to think on. Most of us, when we think, and we're just sitting, we're thinking of how bad things are. And if you're going to meditate, at least meditate on God's word. Meditate on God's promises. But Jesus also doesn't say, come to the door and meditate. Come to the door and sit outside and wait for the Father to come get you. He says, come to the door, pound on the door, Dad, I need you. I need your presence. And he says, you're not only going to get my presence, I'm going to give you my Holy Spirit. And I'm going to pour my Holy Spirit. You're going to have enough today to feed you. You're going to have so much of the Holy Spirit. Everybody who sees you is going to receive something you've got. Instead of you needing from others, they're going to get from you because you're going to be so full of me and so full of my presence and so full of my joy and so full of my peace. People will wonder, why aren't you upset? Why aren't you worried? Why aren't you anxious? Because you've got my spirit, because you've got my presence, because I filled you, because you took time with me. When you take time with God, he fills you with himself. And there's something about spending time in God's presence. As I spend time with the Lord, everything comes into right alignment. The things that I'm worried about, my children or my finances or my marriage or my job or my health or my city or my nation or whatever it is, the things that I'm thinking about, he begins to put them in proper perspective. He begins to put them in proper understanding. He begins to show us how to handle whatever it is. Many people come to me and say, Pastor, what should I do about this? Pastor, what should I do about that? And the first thing I'll say to them is, what did the Lord tell you? What did the Lord tell you to do? And then the second thing I may say is, what does the scriptures tell you to do? Let's start with the Lord and his word. And then we'll go from there. Well, I've been, uh, been anxious about it. I've been, I've, been, I, you know, I've been overwhelmed with it, which we all can be. It's true. We can all be overwhelmed. But at some point, you've got to take that and you've got to channel that towards God. At some point, you've got to say, you know, I'm overwhelmed, but I've got to get a hold of God. At some point, it's got to be more than Facebook you're, out, you're outing on or somebody else you're dumping on. At some point, it's got to be God that you're going to. At some point, he's got to be the source. Facebook can't be the source of your strength. Your friends can't be the source of your strength. God's got to be the source of your strength. He wants to be the source, but you've got to trust him. You've got to give him the time that it's going to take. You've got to keep knocking. You've got to keep seeking. You've got to keep pounding. You've got to keep asking. 
Well, I've already asked for 10 times, 20 times. You keep asking. You keep knocking. You keep seeking. Because as you keep asking, God's giving you more of his spirit. As you keep asking, God's giving you more of his presence. We're so busy to tell God the things that he should do rather than listening to God, letting him tell us the things we should do. Well, God, you need to fix this. And God's going, I need to fix you. Because if I can fix you, I can fix that. We so much get in the way of God's miracles. We don't even realize we're the hindrance so many times. And we want somebody else to pray a magic prayer or somebody else to do something for us. Well, pastor, can you fast for me? I can, but are you going to fast for yourself? Are you going to take the time? Are you going to put in the effort that it's going to take? And sometimes we want everybody else to do the work because it takes effort. It takes work. It's going to mean you're going to have to allow people to look at you funny. People laugh at you. People mock at you. People say, you go to that church. People say things about you. I can't believe you're, you're having Brother Ted in in the middle of all this going on. Absolutely. We need more of the power of God, not less of the power of God. We need more of the things of God, not less. Well, I don't know. Is that really a good idea? I don't know. Is the power of God really a good idea? Is the presence of God really a good idea? Is God moving, healing, delivering, setting people free really a good idea? Is salvation a good idea? It's so funny. People comment to you and tell you what they think when they haven't spent one minute praying about it. Now you hear from God, I'm interested in what you got. But you're not hearing from God, I don't care what you got. Don't get upset, I just don't. You say, oh, pastor, that hurts. It's all right, you'll get over it. I just don't. Because there's so many opinions now that are ungodly. And understand that even believers are spewing out things that are not of God. And you need to hear from God. You need an answer from the Holy Spirit. You need God to fill you and tell you what to do. Our problems in Rochester, New York right now are many. Our problems in our community, in our city, the corruption, the homicides, the sickness, everything that's going on in our city, in our state, all the stuff is all solvable, but it's not solvable by who you vote for. It's solvable by the Holy Spirit to come in and transform a city. But we're so busy arguing over stuff that won't change anybody. I don't care who you vote for. Nothing's going to change until the Holy Spirit shows up and changes our city. And it's so frustrating. I, I, I can't even imagine how God feels when he knows he's got the answer right here and you're not willing to come eat it. It's like, I got it sitting right here. I've got your answer. My arm is not too short. I can feed you with everything you need. I can comfort you in the midst of your great struggle. I can heal that wound from your past 20 years ago. I'm able to give you the relationship you're looking for. I'm able to give you the job that you need. I'm able to provide for every one of your needs. I'm able to give you what you're looking for. I have everything to give you, and yet you look all the way around, and you never get to there. Because to get there is more than just saying, well, God, just give it to me. It's a relationship. It's a covenant. I have to have a relationship. This comes through covenant. I want stuff. You know, we're in a nation that we want stuff. We just don't want the cost of it. Well, can I have it for free? And we want everything for free. And we're a nation that's very greedy, very selfish. We love stuff for free. And it's like, well, I deserve it for free. None of us deserve anything for free. It's going to cost you. And with God, it's going to cost you time and energy and passion and desire. It may cost you a few meals. It may cost you a few people saying something that hurts your feelings. God may tell you to do something that 12 other people told you not to do. And you, they may look at you and say, why didn't you do what I said? Well, because God said, well, why are you listening to him? 
Because people think I'm nuts. And I've just come to the conclusion, I'm fine with that. I'm okay. And, and I try not to be. I try to be the most balanced person I can possibly be. And sometimes that in and of itself is an impossible job. Because there's no way that there isn't somebody who thinks you're crazy. Not in today's culture. Today's culture, somebody's going to think you're crazy. I would rather know that I have a relationship with God, that I'm following God's will, that I'm doing what he wants, and let the chips fall where they fall on the other side of things, rather than trying to please everybody and then wonder, I wonder if God's okay with this. And we're in this type of situation right now. The stuff we're dealing with in our city, the stuff we're dealing with in our nation, the stuff we're dealing with in our state is solvable, but it's going to take a committed group of believers who are going to fight for it and who are going to aft, go after it in the spirit realm, who are willing to say, you know, we're putting a stop to the enemy's advances. We are telling him he can't come any further. And even when it looks like he's winning, we keep pushing back and we keep fighting back. We keep declaring he's not going to win. He's not going to take our city. He's not going to take the next generation. He's not going to take our kids out. The murders are going to stop. The sickness is going to stop. Things are going to... We've got to get on the advance. We've got to start fighting and actually meaning it. There should be times when we're so tired. It's not tired of fighting in the natural. We're, we're fighting in the super supernatural we're fighting in prayer we're fighting in warfare because we know the weapons of our warfare are not carnal but they're mighty to pulling down strongholds there are strongholds in every city rochester is loaded with strongholds and there's strongholds that many christians just walk around and go well i guess that's a stronghold i guess i'll just kind of sidestep it and go around it and say well i guess our kids are always going to be dumb. I guess they'll never get a good education in our city except for the few good teachers that are there. So I guess it'll just be the stronghold. I guess there's always going to be killings in our city because it's just our city, so whatever. I guess it's just a stronghold that we'll just have to live with. Why are we living with stuff that we don't have to live with, but there has to be a group of believers who say, I'm willing to fight for that. I'm willing to fight for my marriage. I'm willing to fight for my children. I'm willing to fight for my health. I'm willing to fight for my relationships. I'm willing to fight for my job. I'm willing to fight for the kingdom of God. The Holy Spirit is not a popular topic. Everybody wants you to go, shh. And if people just took time to read the word of God, how many times does Jesus says, you need the Holy Spirit? Need the Holy Spirit. Need the Holy Spirit. Yeah, but can we do it without the Holy Spirit being the Holy Spirit? You know, he's pretty intense. You need the Holy Spirit. He says it there. He says, that's the last words he left us with in Acts. He says, by the way, before you go anywhere, get the Holy Spirit. That's what he tells us. And people don't understand. And they think, all I need, I can't tell you how many times I've heard people say, all I need is Jesus. And Jesus says, you need the Holy Spirit. You want to solve your marriage? You want to solve your children's? You want to solve your health? You want to solve, you need more of the Holy Spirit. You just need God to move. But there's got to be a desperateness in your heart. There's got to be a passion within you that says, I'm going to do what it takes. And it may be hard, and it may be 3 a.m., and I may have to knock on my neighbor's door, and it might be the only answer. And people may laugh at me, and people may say I'm crazy. But because I know my God is real, and because he says he'll supply all my needs according to his riches and glory, because he says he'll fill me up with everything I need, I won't have to lack for anything. I believe God. I believe his word. I'm going to go to God. I'm going to trust God. And I'm going to put my hope and put my trust in the one that can answer my problem. It's Jesus. It's the Holy Spirit. As I begin to close this up, I want to read a couple of scriptures real quick. They're short. Romans 5.5 5 says this, And this hope will not lead to disappointment. For we know how dearly God loves us, 
because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. So this hope will not lead to disappointment. It's not going to lead to disappointment. When you hope and you put your trust in God, he loves us and he's given us, it says in Romans 5, his Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his presence, with his love, with his peace, with his joy. Psalm 119, 126 says this, Lord, it is time for you to act, for these evil people have violated your instructions. To me, this is a powerful passage. Psalm 119, 126. Lord, it's time for you to act. We've seen enough evil in this nation. We've seen enough evil in our city. We've seen enough evil going on around us. Lord, it's time for you to act. It's time for you to move. It's time for you to take hold. I'm desperate for you to act. I'm desperate for you to move. I'm desperate for your presence to come and take over Rochester, take over Monroe County, take over the city, the town where I live. I'm desperate for you to act. Last scripture is this, 1 Corinthians 9, 26. Therefore I run thus, not with uncertainty. Thus I fight, not as one who beats the air. In other words, he's saying this, I'm not just going to keep swinging like this, but I'm going to make sure that I'm hitting the mark. I'm hitting the thing that needs to be hit. I'm going to go after the thing that needs to be gone after. I'm just not going to keep flailing my arms around and hoping I hit something, but I've got to realize I'm in a fight. I'm in a war. I'm in a battle, and the enemy is trying to take out my family. He's trying to take out my church. He's trying to take out my city. He's trying to take out my nation. He's trying to take out my health. He's trying to take out my marriage. He's trying to take out my job. He's trying to take out my finance. He's trying. The enemy's going to try to strip me. That's what he does. He tries to strip me clean of everything, even my own mind, even having my mind right. My mind comes in. I mean, how many more mental health stories do we need to hear to realize the enemy is attacking minds? And he's attacking people's minds left and right. And nobody's exempt from the enemy's attack. The only thing that's going to keep your mind is the Bible says when you have your mind stayed on him. When my mind is on the Lord, sometimes I have to say to my mind, I put you on the Lord. I take my mind and I go like this. I now I have the mind of Christ. I have the mind of Christ. I have the mind of God. And I speak over my mind. I don't care who's looking at me. I don't care who's laughing at me. I need the mind of God. Last thing I need is the mind of this world. I don't need the mind of Satan. I don't need the mind of other people. I don't need the mind of professionals. I don't need the mind of doctors, lawyers, uh, anybody else. I need the mind of God. If I'm going to beat back the works of the enemy, it's going to be the mind of God, the power of God. And I can't fight if I don't know what I'm hitting. I have to realize that I'm in a fight. And the only way that I'm going to know how to hit right is the Holy Spirit to show me, punch here, punch there. That's the only way I'm going to know. Thanks again for listening to our Faith Church podcast. We are so glad you chose to listen to this message. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast to receive notifications when we release new content. Also, follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Faith Church Rock to find out more information about what is currently happening at Faith Church.